the opportunity is that there will be great opportunity. There has always been in these changes in the markets have been such a tremendous transfer of wealth in these big market adjustments. Rob, welcome back to the show. Honored to get to spend this much time with you and just you being so willing to share your expertise with the listeners and myself. Thank you again. Oh, it's my pleasure, Whitney. Thank you so much for having me. I love it here. Rob, I, I, you know, with your experience, and I hope the listeners will go back and listen to yesterday's episode uh, and learn more about Rob and Thirty Capital uh, and the book that he wrote as as well. Uh, but you know, he's been in he's been in commercial real estate since he was in diapers. It sounds like so. So I, you know, I just love that level or depth of experience, and especially with a, a few things we're going to discuss in this segment. Because I get asked all the time, and I know Rob does as well, you know, what's going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? And, you know, and I love gathering just, you know, what people are looking for, watching, or what's important to you. And and I say, well, nobody has a crystal ball. However, what you believe is going to happen affects what you're doing today, right? Whether you're buying or selling, right? You know, how you're handling yourself and your business is affected by what you believe, right? And 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 so I, I love it when when somebody has an experience like Rob to think through, hey, what is their vision for the future? Uh, you know, and the trends they see happening. Rob, let's just jump right in there. I, I would love to hear, you know, just sharing your your thoughts, your vision for what's happening in the future for commercial real estate or in our industry, and and uh, and just you know, let's dive into some current trends you see happening. Sure, sure. Well, I think, look, it's, you know, just to, on, on your crystal ball thing, I, I think, you know, people can make assumptions on what's going to happen. I think there's there's a difference between making sort of a gut assumption versus one that's filled with fact and data and or data and information and making an educated decision. And so I think that, you know, we like to believe that we make educated decisions, but then there, you definitely have to look at this gut feel, right? There's there's stuff going on. So, you know, in terms of the of the broader commercial real estate market, um, I have been around enough to know and I've seen the markets adjust and correct. Um, and I've seen them uh, adjust either because, um, you know, back in the 80s when everybody was cross collateralized and personally guaranteed loans, you know, good loans went out with, with bad loans. And, you know, there was a huge transfer of wealth and in 2007, where where you had you know the the great crisis, in my opinion, and here here's where this is an exciting time. I don't think anybody will will doubt that commercial real estate is going into some serious headwinds. Um, I think we have two factors that have really prompted a a big big problem. One is increased interest rates, so now it costs a lot of money to borrow money, whereas in the past it didn't. Um, and second, you had this work from home phenomenon that um, because of COVID has really changed the dynamics of, of things. Um, I think the the when you look at the data going back to interest rates, you can look at forward curves, right? I can't guarantee what the rate, what the Fed's going to do tomorrow or next month or whenever. But I can tell you if I look out at a at a chart, I can see where the market is predicting where interest rates are going to be. And just knowing us as a country, interest rates will go down in the next few years. But for the next foreseeable future, expect this rate or higher. Um, The question comes down to the things like the work from home phenomenon. The people are, are, you know, hey, we just want to, you know, I want to work from home. I don't want to see the headlines. What happens 
to suburban office. What happens to these offices? And yes, people talk about, oh, well, I can, you know, I can reuse them. Well, you can, but it costs a lot of money. Not to mention, if you're going to buy an office building and it's existing, you still have to maintain the thing. You still have to pay taxes. You still have to pay interest. You know. So it's all of a sudden you're 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 in a you're in a rut. Not to mention, I think you know there are some exceptions in some of these markets. But if you really peel back the the multifamily market, you're going to find a lot of headwinds there as well. And so it's going to be really hard to to go forward and develop a brand new class A multifamily when you know that there's a handful of properties in your market that are going to be going back to the lender and are going to be sold. And so that's where we start to see that to me is where there is some headwinds and some struggles. Flipside, the opportunity is that there will be great opportunity. There has always been in these changes in the markets have been such a tremendous transfer of wealth in these big market adjustments, where uh, in the past, as I said, I mentioned in the 80s, it was uh, that real estate investors uh, basically went out and anybody who had dollars and liquidity, doctors and lawyers, ended up getting a huge portfolio. Uh, you know, the second time around, people with money, you know, these big investment shops were able to. So I think that this is a time people to look and think differently as they look at opportunities in these markets. Also can't stress enough, cash is king, liquidity is king, and and please, for heaven's sake, focus on cash and cash management. And and that's that's a tough thing for people to hear right now because people came in with an initial investment thesis I'm going to buy this property. I'm going to put this much money into it. I'm going to improve it. Rents are going to go up and we're going to be able to sell it and it's going to be great. Well, that might have happened a few years ago. That's not happening as much right now. So it comes down to really thinking a a long-term approach, looking at the asset, looking at realistically, what are my cash projections going to be? Do I really want to improve it? Or maybe I should just hoard cash right now and be protective. Should I talk to my investors and say, hey, listen, I have two choices. I might have to uh, make a capital call down the road, or maybe I'm not giving you your full distribution right now. Which Which one's more palatable? So open conversations, open communications. But once again, it is, it's about operations right now, finding operations. I love how you are even took it all the way to communicating with investors, you know, uh, you know, to because it is, it's like when you're in trouble like that, hey, there's a chance, hey, if we just pause distributions, we may be able to survive, right? We may be able to uh, get through the storm, right? So we don't have to do a capital call. Uh, it's like uh, most of our, uh, you know, that's just like a, a word we hate even saying around here, right? right. <laughs> you just don't want to ever have to do that. Um, but I know, uh, I, I I believe, Rob, that, you know, probably within the next at least 12, if not or at least 18 to 24 months, it's going to be a very common thing, I'm afraid. Yep. And, and I forgot to mention that, you know, I talk about interest rates and I talk about work from home. Yeah, I forgot about the third thing, which is, you know, ex- expense inflation, right? You've got, yeah, you've got insurance, which is out of this roof. You've got you know taxes that are that are going up. You've got finding people. You know, so so you have this incredible expense, and that's you're right. This this conversation, and we actually at Thirty Capital, we spend a lot of time helping people with the facts and plan 
so that they can have those conversations with the investors. And we can say, hey, listen, I, you know, I talked to in the last episode, it's we talked about is it the market or is it me? And one of the things that we have, we we bought a company last year that aggregates operational data and gives us the ability to determine where our property is basically in terms of revenue and and line by line expenses, where our property is relative to a benchmark. And we can say, okay, well, you know what? Hey, revenue, we're all flat. Expenses, we're all up, right? It's it's and and we can say, hey, you know what? This is actually the market. We can also see before we have this conversation, hey, wait a second, everybody else's revenue has gone up. My revenue is actually flat. Oh, my expenses are going way up and everybody else's are sort of flat holding still. So maybe it's me. So the first thing we we often suggest is take a deep dive into your asset and your operations. Focus on asset optimization first. Once you've got the asset and once you have the strategy for asset optimization, then you have to come back and, and basically tie it into debt optimization. Based upon the asset today and where I'm going to see it over the next few years, what's the appropriate debt? Where is my outstanding debt? How does this look? Right. And, and that will solve two very important questions for you, right? It's am I optimized my asset? Yep, I can get there because I'll have a plan. Debt. This is what I need to do. Now we take the two and that will basically determine your conversations, your equity optimization will determine your conversations with your investors. Yeah. Uh, and the sooner the better that you know those things, right? If you right. don't already to optimize your operations. That's similar to what we talked about in the last episode. Like you said, man, it is a time for asset managers to to shine uh, like never before. And, you know, anytime uh, even uh, highlighting yesterday too is so like anytime tech can help you to to lessen errors, you know, or potential errors, uh, and even the uh, the the speed of the data, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one thing I love too. It's like you know, the data is immediately you know on your dashboard every morning versus having to go collect it every day, right? Or go to twelve different places and pull it together. Uh, I think that just helps you to make decisions so much faster and more accurately. Uh, to say the least, you know, one thing you mentioned was, you know, it's going to be a major opportunity, right? Cash is going to be king, uh, those things. Uh, any any suggestions just even for our operators, even our past investors to be prepared for that, right? Uh, I think it's it could be a scary time too, right? Uh, we got all this cash, maybe they have cash, you know, right? And, and it's like, when mm-hmm. do I jump in? But I don't know, just any thoughts uh, on helping those prepare? Well, I think it comes down to, you know, when, when to jump in is always a question, right? I, I think I mentioned on the first one, we bought the majority of our portfolio in 2010. That was a pretty good time to jump in, right? Um, and I kept on buying, but I, I kicked myself. I, you know, I pretty much stopped buying, and probably around 2018 was probably our last. Uh, 2000, maybe 2019 was our was our last acquisition holy. We still invested with sponsors uh, all the way up until probably about a year or so ago. Um, actually, that's not true. We still invest uh, actually up to the last year. Um, but jumping in, it all depends on what you're jumping into, right? So a 30% occupied suburban office, okay, sure. If you're going to jump in today, you better get compensated for it, right? But And that might be a great play, by the way. Those are, yeah, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people out there, and, and myself included. I don't think I'm necessarily opposed to 
uh, well-positioned office buildings in, in, in key markets, right? Once again, looking at data, right? I've, I've got to make sure that I've got the, the facts and figures behind it, census data, growth trends, people moving there, quality of life, all the things that typically go into our investment thesis anyways. You know what? A decent multifamily that maybe I'm buying at a little, you know, a little tighter effective cap, but you know what? And, 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 you know, it's definitely not the home run that I had before, but you're not going to find those right now. Um, and, and I think the other thing too, is having gone through this several times, the amount of liquidity that comes into these markets sometimes is so great and so big, you can't underestimate it. Right. And that's what we're feeling right now is this 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 sort of this this time this before all of that and that's what every i think that's what makes it very difficult i think many people would would just say hey listen let's just get it over with let's have our correction let's get back right let's go let's go back to recovery that's not going to happen for a while because sellers don't really want to sell until they really have to um and buyers think that there's going to be a heck of a deal and so it just becomes that you know nobody that's why we have yeah, sales data. I, I, it'd be tough to be a commercial broker right now, an investment sales broker, right? Because their business is down seventy percent. So, I think that's the way I look at it. Is 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 this going to be a decent deal? Can I pencil this out? Once again, taking data and facts, matching the property pro forma with a debt horizon and a debt optimization will create equity optimization for you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's. Uh, we're playing chicken kind of right you know as a buyer and seller <laughs> to some oh, yeah. degree uh and uh yeah and, and the more information the better uh, you know uh rob what's the what's the most challenging part in your all's business right now the, sort of that that indecision in the market right um our our capital markets group which relies on transactional volume right so so our capital markets group it's defees with ease and we do hedging advisory so Obviously, if you're not selling a loan or getting a new loan, you're not, you know, you don't really need those businesses as much. Um, so so that's that's obviously a challenge, right? Transactional volume is down, makes our business uh, difficult. Uh, on the flip side, fortunately for us, our asset management side and our technology side is 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 going quite strong because there are uh, borrowers and there's there's uh, sponsors and, and investors who are in a situation where they're just looking for some third party advice. Hey, how do I talk to my investors? How do I how do I get the facts to know that I'm doing the right thing? And how do I actually look at information? And our technology business is is strong as well, um, but it's the same thing. People don't want to spend money when the market is market is bad, right? It's 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 always the same. It, it never fails for me, right? It's a uh, you know back when we started our business in 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 the technology, the asset management space, everybody was doing acquisitions, right? You. Buy buy properties, hold it for a year, sell it, and make a lot of money. And you were a genius. Nobody really cared because it didn't matter. You you didn't know that the person next to you did the same thing but made three times as much. All you know is that you made a lot. And so that masked the operations that we're feeling today. Now it's really into the into the operation side, but they don't have those big engines of acquisitions feeding so much revenue into the organization. So. Yeah, it comes back to I think in that in that particular case, you know, we 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 stress that people need to look at their operations and need to look at their business, um, and I, I think that's that's always a challenge because people are very tactical now. They're they're looking at individual triage, right? It's this property is one twenty three Main Street. 
that property is in trouble. I need to focus on that. And we're trying to elevate the conversation to say, think about your company as a, as a, a technology company or an innovative company whose product is real estate and focus on elevate. If you can elevate your decision-making and, and, and make it more strategic, all of the tactical stuff gets a lot easier and a lot better. Rob, we're going to shift gears just a little bit to a few final questions. Uh, but I wonder, you know, your advice right now, your, your best advice for passive investors. So for passive investors, I think, you know, this is it. It's still a great investment class. So don't, you know, um, so I think there's there's two things to look at. One is enjoy what you've had in the past. Probably not going to happen right now for a while. Um, but I would recommend that they still understand the asset class, which is a great asset class. Um, the second thing I would probably really recommend is having open and frank conversations with your sponsors, right? This is, a lot of this stuff is, is a lot of things that happen at once. As I said, these are these are big things, right? You've got a, a you know, a pandemic, you've got interest rates, and you've got inflation and in, in, in core expenses that are just out of control. So having frank conversations, open conversations, and 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 almost opening the door for the group to do that, for your for your sponsors to do that, um, I think will be will, will be a big investment, um, or or will create good return for them. And then finally, is be prepared. There will be opportunities. Yeah, trust your sponsors. Trust that they know they're living this stuff every day, um, and uh, and and understand that they're going to see opportunities. Jump in on those opportunities if you believe them. What about, I know we talked about, you know, some uh, KPIs that you're looking at every day on your dashboard and whatnot, but I always like to ask someone, what are some of the most important metrics that you track? Maybe there's some on the personal side as well that you like to track. Yeah, so I I'm believe, so I look at this as, as two ways, right? So I go back to this, this notion that my real estate business is a business itself. It's our product is real estate and real estate investment, but our, our business, and so I operate our real estate investment arm, the same way that I operate our advisory work, our capital markets work, our, our stuff. We look at, you know, we we look at our customer personas and all of this other stuff. So for so from KPIs on the property side, I look at things like leading indicators. How many people are coming in? What are they getting? You know, what did they swap out for? Right. So if I had a one bedroom, this one bedroom, one bath went for a thousand dollars a month and now I, you know, turned it for 850, what's going on, right? So, so I look at my leading indicators, traffic, uh, and then uh, what I'm swapping out for. I look at delinquency, tracking delinquency. I'm tracking accounts payable. And those are those are really the metrics that, that I look at a lot. Now, I will look at month over month. I will look over year over year, quarter over quarter, uh, general financials. But but those are the those are the big things that I look at. Um on a business standpoint, though, I'm looking at things like how efficient are we as an operator? What's our capital? What's our cost of capital? What's, what are we returning in our capital? How effective are we with as a whole, as our portfolio? How What's our total delinquency look like? What does our total traffic look like? What is our, uh, what's our Yelp scores? What's our apartments.com score? What are we doing? How long are people staying with the organization? So there's a lot of business KPIs that we use at our organization as well. Love that. I think that's a great list right there for any of us to be thinking through. Are, are we tracking those things? Do we know that? Uh, what about uh, any habits that you're disciplined about that have proved success for you? 
Yeah, I think, yeah, the discipline is is one thing. And, and whether or not it's a good thing or a bad thing, I still have yet to figure it out. But I believe that the one thing that I have that I've enjoyed doing and I've I've done doing is I I'm a a voracious learner. And I got this from my dad. My dad, my dad reads books like nobody's business. I, I mean, he reads thousands of books a week, probably, and and always information of of every bit. And and while I might, you know, I read my share, but I also love YouTube and I love other ways of podcasts. I love other ways of, of consuming information. I've realized that by taking in information and and listening to things outside of commercial real estate have yielded such great returns. Mm-hmm. So so my advice to people and and people actually ask me this quite a bit is what what else do you learn, right? What how can I be smarter in real estate? How can I learn more? I say by not really looking at real estate. Look learn about other things, right? I, I think a lot of the things that that we get from our, as I said, I run my real estate business very much like a software or a technology company. And I think if we start applying, what do those companies do? What do these big technology companies do that make them so good, that make them grow so quickly? And if we can apply some of those things to our business, we will be very successful ourselves. So it's about learning different things and having varied interests. Any hacks around reading and learning fast like that? Well, I, I think it's just it, maybe it's just ADD. I don't know. I, I you know I think that's probably part of it. Um, as I said, I think it's whatever the whatever you you're better off doing, right? Some people are readers and they underline and they make notes. Some people take that. Some people need it to be listened. I mean, I just I think a lot of it is 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 just the way that you want to get your data. I, when I was writing my book, I, I went to master class. Right? I'm like, okay, well, how do I learn how to write a book? Okay, well, geez, I can learn from James Patterson. I can learn from some of the best people in the world. Okay, I'll just I'll go listen to that. And I think that's that's a lot of it. And and I think if you if you have these varied interests, you you'll also see a tremendous world of opportunity um, that that will that will grow. And I think it's the other thing that I I do that I, I hate mentioning that I do, but I do take calls with salespeople. If there is something that's out there and somebody's trying to pitch me, um, not all of them. I, I so don't don't get me wrong. So don't go, yeah, you know, I, I get every every LinkedIn, every LinkedIn request. Like nine out of ten are, hey, I saw it and hey, we're we're just like each other, but I just want to sell you something. Um, but I think it's being open, open-minded to seeing what other people are doing. I mean, there's some pretty amazing things that could actually help your business that could just be right in front of you if you just sort of Maybe it's not buying that product, but maybe it's understanding why they're selling the product or why they created it will create great returns for you. Yeah, love that. I love the desire to learn and read a lot. And, and I, I just, it's proven just time and time again for me to just have so many uh, you know, returns on that time of investment, right? Reading. And, and like you said, reading things outside of our industry have helped me a ton as well. I love another comment you made there that your dad reads a lot, right? And I wasn't raised to read a lot. It's I'm a major loss. I feel like, that, you know, I wasn't pushed to read more, you know, as a child, because now I'm just trying to take in as much as possible. And I want my my kids to want to read, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're trying to just encourage that, you know, as much as possible. And thankfully, my my older boys are I do like to read and are reading a lot, but uh, it's it's been good. Uh, it's been really good to just, man, just have a, a habit, right? A, a desire 
uh, to want to continually read, uh, like you're talking about, but even the, uh, you know, applying what other industries are doing right into ours and being in, in, a, in a, uh, you know, new, new ideas right into our market that haven't been here before. Rob, how can the listeners get in touch with you and learn more about you and 30 Capital? So, yeah, so they could go uh, directly to 30capital.com. Um, they can also reach me at uh, www.robfinlay.com. You want to tell them about your book and and uh, about that so where they can find that? Sure, sure. So, uh, so yeah, thank you. We uh, we released uh, my latest book. It's called Beyond the Building uh, and how innovation plays a part into commercial real estate. Um, and, and this book was really came from from my background in commercial real estate, not only as 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 my own insight, but also I was very fortunate to get uh, a lot of real estate sponsors and and real leaders in the industry uh, to help give me insight and and information sort of on how they do things. And and being in this business for so long, it's always nice when you get to see somebody who's been you know who's done something a little different that matters and makes a difference. And and Whitney, as as you know, you're actually uh, I mentioned you in my book um, because of what you've done actually with this podcast. I think is is incredibly innovative and 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 quite frankly genius on on how you built your brand and, and differentiated yourself and I think that's that's sort of the goal of innovation and that's what the goal of the book is is to help real estate owners realize that they need to innovate or else they're going to be the way of the Kmarts and the you know um, and the blockbusters Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today.